Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. We come to a time in our calendar when we now look at the other side of the story, Father's Day. It wasn't too long ago that we set aside a day and paused our lifestyle to recognize our mother, recognize the role of the mother, recognize the importance of the mother, recognize the contribution of the mother in the life of a child or family, community. Now we pause and we take a look at the father. Again, a very, very important figure. Not to be thought of as being less important. Just because Father's Day comes after Mother's Day does not necessarily mean that the father is less important. It could give that implication, perhaps. But no. We have found in our recent research that fathers play an extremely important role in the life of a child. The absence of a father is a profound effect, has a profound effect upon the life of a child. So both mother and fathers are needed for optimum health and optimum upbringing of children. The role of the father is crucial. The absence of the father, you know, many of these kids die. And here we can talk about that. Because 95% of all pregnancy cases the male partner plays a central role in the abortion decision. The father's voice, or perhaps his silence, speaks volumes. Of women who have had abortion, 80% of them or more state that they would have carried the child to term, to full term, if they had the support of the father. So the absence of the father does contribute to the death of a child through the abortion process. 80% or more mothers would have gone through the process of delivering their child had the father been supportive and been involved. Children who are born into fatherless families, unfortunately, are four times greater at risk for poverty, seven times more likely to experience teen pregnancy, have more behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to use drugs and alcohol, and more likely to go to prison. You see, the absence of a father is devastating upon children. Some die in the womb. Others die through the process of drug addiction, through fights and gang behavior and, and so on, behavior problems. Others just never make it in life. They don't succeed in school. They don't succeed in social relationships and basically become ineffective in a non-involved person in the life of a child. On the other hand, children whose fathers are involved are more likely to achieve overall success in, the, in life, in school, in relationships, and in work, and occupations, and, and so on, in marriage, and so on. Now, unfortunately, we have seen an increase in their fatherlessness in our culture. We've had a shift away from the two-parent family. We've had a shift away from the father and the mother and the child or living together, or raising each other's together, and we have left devastation in its wake. If we are to build a culture of life, and it's an important word, if we are to build a culture of life, we must reach into, our, into the culture and equip men, as well as women, to be appropriate, positive, confident parents, fathers and mothers. Now, recently, some thought was given to this by a man by the name of Glenn Stanton. Glenn Stanton. He wrote an article entitled, The Involved Father. And in that article, he makes some observations. Fathers play 
differently. He states that fathers are more likely to be more uh, rough or aggressive, and more uh, firm in their management and their play style with the child, where the mother is more likely to present a profile of timidity, less aggressiveness, be more protective. So if you take a child that only has one of those parents, they only get one side of that story. A child needs both. They need the mother's sense of timidity, that mother's sense of protection, that, that mother's sense of being careful. While at the same time, they need that father's involvement of mild to moderate roughness, mild to moderateness, moderate physical involvement. That will expand their experience when they have both parents in their lives. I don't know if you knew this or not, but fathers contribute more to the building of a vocabulary of a child than does the mother. The mother usually speaks in simple terms. The mother usually speaks in terms that a child might understand, where the father tends to speak in language and in terms that are more uh, forward or more advanced and does not modify his language to being that of a baby talk. Fathers stress justice, fairness, and duty, while mothers stress grace and sympathy. You see, they're different. The style of discipline is different. When a father disciplines a child, the emphasis is upon being fair, the emphasis is upon your responsibility, your duty. Where mothers will tend to look at it from the point of view of empathetic and being sympathetic. Now, that doesn't put one over the other. Both parents are key. Both parents are needed. Both parents contribute. A child is fortunate, or to say it another way, the child is lucky to have both mother and father in their life because they get both perspectives. They get both types of discipline. They get both types of stimulation. They get both types of challenge. And the balance of those two is what makes a healthy child. So it cannot be said enough. Dads are important. Mothers are important. Parents together create a foundation for family that nurtures health as well as success. Now recently I was reading another article by Constant Dent. Constant Dent is a psychologist in Pennsylvania. And she argues for the need of a men's movement. We need to educate men differently. It's kind of a call to churches, a call to schools, a call to employment situations, a call to sporting events and sporting organizations, a call to lodges, a call to uh, our various clubs in our community like Lions and, and, and so on. And we need a call for a men's movement. The argument is this. In 2017, just take that one year, there were 324 attacks of one person upon another in that particular year. In almost every one of those attacks, of those 324, almost every one, was perpetrated by a male. In other words, men were the aggressors. Men were the, uh, were the more violent. Men were the more um, attacking of the two. So we need a men's movement, the argument is, to soften men, to educate men, to be more considerate, to be more thoughtful, to be more compassionate, to be more empathetic, to be more considerate of how they affect others and how they interact with others and how they behave and the influence that has 
upon others. About a month or so ago, I did a podcast calling for the need for a leadership movement in our world, in our country, in our country, bringing kids along and teaching them to be leaders. And I believe that because not only will we get leadership out of that, but we'll get less violent behavior out of that. Leaders don't act violently, by the way. It's the followers, the non-leaders that act violently. So we need a leadership movement, but we also need a men's movement, according to Constant Dent. And I probably would agree. That would be a very good thing, to initiate a movement that would recognize that males are dissatisfied in their life. First of all, you got to start there. Men have a sense of dissatisfaction about themselves. The male suicide rate is six times to seven times that of girls or women. So men are more and more satisfied, dissatisfied with themselves. Males contribute to 90% of the population in prison. Males contribute mostly to the high drug rate that we have in our communities, the high alcohol addiction rate that we have in our community. The drug overdoses are much more by men or by males than they are by females. In other words, men seem to be dissatisfied in life, dissatisfied with themselves, dissatisfied with the way life is going, way the way their life is going, and often then engage in self-destructive behavior. So here's the idea. Constant Dent comes up with this, hey, let's have a men's movement. Let's teach a handful of ideas to men so that they can begin to behave differently. It's all right to say to a boy, to cry. It's all right to allow a boy to cry. We don't have to take the position that boys don't cry, men don't cry. Yes, men do cry. Yes, boys do cry. And those are the better boys and men that cry. If you're a woman looking to marry a man, a man that cries might have a great deal of advantage because he's empathetic, he's sympathetic, he's caring, he's compassionate, he feels. The man that does not cry holds stuff within himself and might take it out on other people in an aggressive, you know, kind of way. So maybe we need to teach boys that it's all right to cry, and that doesn't make them less of a boy. That doesn't make them a girl. That doesn't get them all mixed up in all that gender stuff that's going on. They can still be a man as many men and as much of a man as they can be and still cry, still show emotion, still express emotion, express empathy, express appreciation, express thank yous. That's good when men can express those kind of positive ideas and positive feelings towards others. It's important that men have positive emotions and express them. You know, we also have another factor here that boys must win. Kids who play sports must win. There are winners and there are losers. And one person wins, one team wins, and the rest are losers. Maybe we need to get around that idea, at least in the younger years. It's not so much a matter of winning. It's a matter of enjoying a relationship in a competitive environment, enjoying the team that you're on, enjoying competing with others, but making it a message of enjoyment, a message of, uh, of mutuality rather than of competitiveness. Competitiveness leads to aggression. Competitiveness involves aggression, and then that can even get out of hand where the aggression is much more violent than it could be or should be. In other words, we need men in our world that are moderate. We need men in our world that care. We need men in our world that share. We need men in our world that involve a, a process of play, a process of competition,
but not cutthroat. Not the kind that you have to win or you are nothing. So a men's movement might be important. Start educating boys, young boys, in the kind of man that they could be and should be and will be a better father, will be a better husband, will be a better student, will be a better employee, will be a better employer, will be a better neighbor, will be a better friend. You see, we need to bring boys along. We've taught girls well. Girls do that pretty well. We've done our message with girls, but we have not created that message among boys. And we need to do that. And dad and fathers and mothers, you need to do that in the home. Ministers, you need to do that in the church. Youth leaders, you need to do that in church with kids. You need to start educating our kids what a reasonable and honest and safe and loving boy is like as compared to one that is aggressive and mean-spirited and will hurt. So here we are. A men's movement might be good. It might be summed up in something like this. We need to put our focus on the inner beauty of a person, a boy, a girl. Inner beauty is compassion. Inner beauty is empathy. Inner beauty is characteristic, is responsibility. Inner beauty is being honest. Inner beauty is communicating, sharing, being open, listening. Those are, that's inner beauty. Outer beauty has to do with makeup and has to do with structure and has to do with shape and size things that we can't do too much about but things that we try to change but it doesn't change the character it doesn't change us how we behave towards others it might be better to change the character of a person from within change from within and then we'll have behavior patterns expressed externally that'll be more loving and caring and compassionate and thoughtful and kind and gracious we need a men's movement we need boys retrained. We need boys to be properly trained. We need boys to be openly trained to be good boys, honest boys, empathetic boys, sympathetic boys, compassionate boys, listening boys, communicating boys, talking boys, caring boys, gracious boys. That's what we need in our culture and that's what we need in every home. So we need in every church, so we need in every office, we need in every workplace, and we need to all work together to kind of create that element. Let's train our boys as we have previously already trained our girls. Not changing gender. We don't need to do that. That doesn't do anything. That just mixes up and makes more complexity of life. We need to change character. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for joining in our podcast today. It's an extremely important topic. And do your part, okay? Bye for now.